At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. David Patton, and I am a pastor here at Gospel Community Church. I just want to welcome you this morning to our gathering, as well as welcome in cooler weather, which means fall hopefully is officially here. Uh, Today we are completing a series that we started three weeks ago, a series about our church. It's called Our Church, A Forever Family. Uh, This has been a great series, and it's been a lead-up to our new members class. Okay, and so we talked about that in announcements, and again, as we speak and as we've spoken these past few weeks and as I speak today, I just uh, if you're new here and you're wanting to learn more about our church, encourage you to sign up for our new members class. We'll essentially go over this material again uh, starting next week after church. But these, this series has taken a deep look at who we are as a church what we believe and what we value, how we're organized, and today we're going to talk about where we're going, going forward. Um, In week one, we said we wanted to be a multicultural and multi-generational church that puts the gospel on display. That's our vision initiative. A multicultural meaning we want the membership of our church to reflect the the, the people groups that are outside of the church. We want it to reflect the geographic area in which we are located. We want to be a unified people, but not a people unified by race. Not a people unified by worship style or dress style. We want to be a people unified under the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. See, we're called to be reconcilers who reconcile, who reach beyond what is comfortable and what is familiar to seek the lost, no matter their skin color, language, uh, cultural identity, or anything else, because when a congregation is diverse racially, it shows that the church is in fact united under the the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Also, we want to be a multi-generational church, uh, one where wisdom is gleaned from spiritual maturity and where youthful zeal is garnered. There is a beauty in diverse age, a wisdom that doesn't come from books, or the internet. It it comes from trials. It comes from difficulties. It comes from experience. And we want to be a church that gleans that wisdom from our generations uh, who are older than us. Titus 2 calls older women in the church to teach uh, the younger women. Uh, Why? Because they have been through the seasons of parenting, raising children, uh, of marriage, and they know where the bumps in the road are. So we would quit tripping and falling down. Uh, Week two, we talked about uh, our statement of faith, what we believe as a church, our closed-handed doctrinal issues, as well as what we value. 
Uh, we have a common unity in, in what we believe and what we value. So we are free to be multicultural and multigenerational. Uh, week three, we dove deep into church government. Uh, Kirk, Pastor Kirk unpacked the biblical model for church leadership, namely a group of qualified men who hold an official office given to shepherd, teach, and to oversee the church. He also, with much glee, unveiled our new org chart and our pastoral care chart. This week, we will be bundling up those last three sermons and, and teaching into a call, uh, a call to practice your beliefs. We often say that your theology influences your methodology. What we believe about God influences how we go about in our life, how we do the things, how we show our a calling. And maybe you've been here for the past three weeks and you've amen all of our statements of belief, but when it comes to doing something about it, you may be hesitant. You might be timid or scared, but I, I just want to assure you, you're not alone. You, you're not alone. No, really not alone. We are a family. And that's what we've been talking about. We are, we are a family. And I want that to really penetrate for a minute. As part of this forever family, you are a part of a community of believers brought low by our sin, but raised up by our God. As a part of this forever, forever family, your burdens, your heartache, your valley, they are not just yours, but they are bore by many. As a part of this forever family, you're a part of something much bigger, much more soul-satisfying and eternal than any other club, organization, league, or affiliation. And this forever family operates in the same manner in which yours probably does, right? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, how we operate and how we go forward. There are family rhythms in which this family operates. Think of yours. You as a family, you, you gather together, right? You gather for special occasions, birthdays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. You gather together uh, to be with one another. You share life together. You share your stuff. When times get hard, you don't let a family member down. You share, you give you scatter throughout the week into smaller family groups going here and there uh, to do the business of the family, and we grow. Our, our, our families, uh, they grow by new members being added in. And I don't believe we do this out of uh, coincidence uh, that our forever family mimics that union. Uh, we gather for worship in the word. Our forever family each week gathers on Sunday for worship and the word. We share our lives together. We share our stuff and we share our time. Uh, we scatter throughout the weeks in community groups, uh, digging into one another's lives and practicing the one another's of our faith. And we grow as members are added to our church and the church continues to move forward. We do this because our theology influences our methodology. What we believe about God influences everything we do as a church. 
everything. So what we must do then is get to the text. We, we must get to the text today because I want to show you how the early church did this and how it affects what we do today. If I'm going to lay out for you a plan today, our plan on how we are to walk out the, our vision initiative, how we become a multicultural and multi-generational church that puts the gospel on display, then it must come from the biblical text. But first, let me allow, to, allow me to give you some context, right? We want to we start with Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42, but let me give you some context of where this is coming from. You see, uh, as we start in Acts uh, 2, um, Jesus has, he's died, and he's resurrected, and, and at this point in the text, he's ascended into heaven, and so you have a group of disciples without their leader with them here on earth, um, and where we find them in the text today is they're in Jerusalem. So the disciples are in Jerusalem gathered for what is called the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks was 50 days after the Passover celebration. So that makes that the Pentecost. This is the day of Pentecost. Many, many of you, when I say Pentecost, can recognize that as the birth of the church. And so that's what the text here is going to explain. But also on this day... Men and women from all over the Jewish nation were gathered in this city. I'm just going to read it from the text here. It says, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, all over, not having a common language, not having a common culture, they were gathered together and something amazing happened. Something amazing happened. God acted and the church began. So, so, so as, he, as he acted, uh, tongues of fire then began to light on the, the disciples' heads as a wind rushed through they began to speak in the languages, again, Romans, uh, people from Asia, people from uh, Africa were all gathered in the city, and they began to hear the words of God in their own languages, which is amazing. Uh, Peter stood up and preached, and 3,000 people were saved. And boom, the first megachurch was born. Here, here's, here's something interesting. They, they seemingly didn't know each other for at, from Adam, but suddenly they were joined by something that transcended those differences, something that bonded the stranger. It was the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, that he saves, that Christ saves. Repent, put your faith upon him, that Christ can save you from your sin. It's solely the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that compels sinful man to unite across such staunch and bold lines such as race and culture. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what we want to be about in this church. Something to unite us other than race, culture, age, and affinities. 
So, so let's continue the story. Let's, let's dive into the text. If we can, Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What we see here in the text is a, a united people 3,000 of them gathered in Jerusalem, and now what, right? And now what do they do? I don't know you. We don't speak the same language. We don't share the same cultural connections. Now what? Well, they began to gather up. They begin to gather in homes, uh, and what they would do in those homes is they would share a meal together. Now, why would they share a meal together? Because they were replicating the meal that Christ took with his disciples before he passed, which was the Last Supper. They, they, they would institute that holy communion where, where Jesus said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. They would, re, they would recreate that meal. Also, they would speak on the scriptures and, and, and show how the, all the scriptures are related to Christ. And you have to see the radical nature of these meetings. Until now, Jews were separated from Gentiles. They wouldn't meet in their homes. They wouldn't eat food with them. They wouldn't be caught dead with them. And now they're gathered together, unified by something so much greater than race and culture. They were unified under the gospel of Christ, which saves in the same way we as Gospel Community Church want to put the gospel on display. Our forever family must be devoted to gathering together under the preached word of God. We must be devoted to gathering together just as the first church was devoted. Each week we open up God's word and allow it to speak into our hearts. Right now we are in a a sermon series that is uh, a one-off, a standoff, where, where we are uh, speaking about who we are as a church and where we're going. Uh, but generally, week by week, we are marching through a text, verse by verse and line by line. Uh, our last sermon series was entitled First and Second Peter. Our next sermon series is going to be entitled First Corinthians because we want the text to speak to us. That's exegetical. We want to go to the text and pull out the meaning from it so that God's word, who has the power to save, is speaking directly to us. And that's how we address preaching here at Gospel Community Church. We want the text to decide what topics we talk on. Because as we walk faithfully, line by line, through the text, it will tell us, what God is wanting to speak to us. If it's on money, if God's speaking on money in the text, we're going to talk about money. If he's speaking on marriage, we're going to talk about marriage. If he's talking about the more difficult topics that we really don't want to talk about, we talk about the really difficult topics that we don't want to talk about because they make us uncomfortable. But God's word remains true, and God's word is what we rest on here in the preaching of at Gospel Community Church. Amen. 
we also here each week administer sacraments. Um, and so just as they reenacted the Holy Communion, we each week do the same um, during our response time. We'll call you to the front that you may take the bread which represents the broken body of Christ. We take the juice that represents the shed blood of Christ. Why do we do that? Because we are united under the death of Christ as a salvation for our sins. Jesus on the cross paid the price that we should have paid. He was the atonement for our sins. And on that cross, he took our sins, yet he gave us his righteousness. And in doing so, and in taking the Holy Communion, we remember what Christ has done for us because it is of most importance. And we unite under that. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Again, this is a call to come to church. This is a call to be devoted to gather together. Why? Because we as a people are united under this word. We must sit as a people under this word. We must be about the preached word, so that we may be filled up, that we may be convicted, that we may draw nearer to God, so that as we go out, out, out of these doors, into the community, we have something to pour out. We want to be poured into by the scriptures so that we have something to pour out. Our theology influences our methodology. And we continue to say that. That, that we must know who God is. We must know how he has so worked in our life. We must know the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ, that we may be ministers of that in the community. Also, the Sunday gathering is as much for the lost as it is for the family. We, we want, as members of Gospel Community Church, to gather together under the preached word that we may grow in Christ. We also want to invite the lost in. Why? So they may hear the gospel grace, the same gospel grace that saved us. We want them to hear it, that they may be saved. Romans 1.16 says, The power of God for salvation to those who believe. They, they must hear the good news that Christ saves and, and by that be saved. Therefore, as we are out in the community, as we are devoting ourselves to the gathering, we also want to draw in the lost and the unbelieving. We want, we want a mixture. We, we don't, this is not just a closed door meeting where only Christians come in. We want to draw people in so that they may hear and so that they may be saved. Our Forever family also gathers to worship through song and through prayer. How we worship meaning meet meaning style of music uh, does not unite us. Our style of worship music does not unite us. Who we worship does. Worship is an overflow of our heart in joy, admiration, awe, affection, and thanksgiving. These things cannot only be contained in the musical stylings of your favorite genre. Therefore, Therefore, we must, as a people, be open. We must be open to singing in multiple styles. We must be open to singing hymns and current Christian music. We must be open to singing uh, African-American music. We must be open to singing uh, hymns from the 1800s and the 1700s. Why? If they glorify God and unite us under him, 
Uh, we want to be a place where our voices join together, where they join together in singing uh, to our God. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him, then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to our God. This is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Also, we want to unite in our, in our gatherings in prayer. In prayer, we, we have a prayer team in the back who, who yearns to pray for you weekly. We integrate prayer in, into the service multiple times. We envelop, we envelop the, the sermon in song and in prayer. Why? Because it is so important for us to draw our hearts to God. It's so important for us to humble ourselves. You know when you sing to God, we humble ourselves before our King and our Savior. In the same way, when we pray, we're humbling ourselves before God, saying, I can't do it alone. In fact, I can't do it at all. In fact, every time I try to do it, I just mess up more. I just dig the hole deeper. Lord, draw me up out of the muck and mire, which is what Psalm 40 says. He hears our cry. He bends his ears to our cry. And he draws us up out of the muck and the mire, places our feet on the rock, which is Jesus, and gives us a new song in our heart. In our heart. It says, and then awe and wonder came upon uh, the, the people that, that heard. Awe and wonder. It would be amazing to have been there, right? It would have been amazing to see tongues of fire and men from Galilee speaking in all these different languages. The, the, the Spirit showed up that day. He showed up and great signs and wonders were done. But God is no less at work in this church and in the current church than he was at its inception. God is working mightily in the church today. Do you want signs? Do you want wonders? Marriages in this church are being healed. Men and women who thought, I can't go another day. I can't go another day from what he did or what she did. Have been and are being healed. Why? Because I'm a great counselor? Because Pastor Kirk is a great counselor? No. Because the Holy Spirit is a great counselor. Because he is a great reconciler and redeemer. Addictions are being overcome. Addictions to pornography. Addictions to drugs. Addictions to alcohol. They have been and are being overcome in our midst. Why? Because we have the willpower to push those things away? Because we have the willpower to say no to sin? No, because the Holy Spirit is at work in our church with great signs and with great wonders. And what Martin Luther King Jr. called the most segregated hour of the week is being integrated in to Gospel Community Church. We desire to be a multicultural and multi-generational church that puts the gospel on display. We don't want to be united under any other thing that's comfortable. We don't want to be united under any other thing that's easy. We want to be a people that puts the gospel on display, and that takes work, and that takes effort, and that takes the Holy Spirit guiding us, directing us, and empowering us to do his purposes and his will. Let's move on. And, the, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's weird, right? That is completely un-American. Who would do that? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. But for, you remember the parable of the treasure, where the guy finds the treasure and and buries it. Why does he bury it? Because he wants to go and sell all that he has. All that he has. Gives all that he has away because he wants the treasure. Why? Because the treasure is more valuable than all of his stuff. In the same way, we as a forever family, we share a family that shares displays unity. We are united in Christ, his gospel, and his grace. Therefore, we share. The 3,000 plus believers overflowed with love and dependence on Christ in such a way that they overflowed with generosity towards one another. Our forever family supports the struggling member. It has been a great blessing of mine that I have been the lead for our benevolence board over the past eight years. I work with a team that desires for financial freedom, for help to a struggling member, for spiritual maturity in financial matters. Uh, I, I have worked with countless people in this room, in the back, in this church, to help them pay the light bill when they, when they, couldn't, when they couldn't pay it, um, pay, pay the rent when, when they've been struggling to provide for a family, to provide for children to have food to eat. And I am so pleased to say that in our eight years, our tiny little church, and I looked this up this week, has paid out $45,330 in benevolence. That's crazy. There was times when we could barely keep the lights on. There's times when we could barely pay Kirk's salary. I'm very sorry, and I'm very thankful for your grace. There, there, there was times when we as a church were struggling, and you know what we did? We helped the struggling member. That's what a family does. That's what a family does. We are and must always be a church that shares because we have been richly provided for because that treasure is worth more than our stuff. And I want to add one more caveat to generosity that I believe we are good at and we must continue to grow in, and that's hospitality. Our forever family is hospitable to the insider and the outsider. Hospitality is commanded in the scriptures. It says in 1 Peter 4, 9, uh, which we just went over in our last sermon series, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That means those people come over and their kids mess up all your kids' toys or lose your kids' toys or break your kids' toys. It's not about the toys. Throw the toys away. What it's about is showing love to the insider and the outsider. I found this really strange and I apologize. I'm not a smart person. I look this stuff up. So every time when I come up here with a Greek definition, it's not because I'm, sn- I'm smart. It's because I know where to find it. So the Greek word for hospitality is philos xenos. Philos xenos is two words put together. Philo, which means love. Love. Xenos, which means stranger. 
Hospitality literally means love of the stranger. Love of the stranger. In application, this means we treat, our stra- we treat strangers like we treat our friends. We treat our stra- strangers like we treat our friends. Without taking it too far, it means uh, to be open and available to the lost, making new friends and bringing them into our home, to our table, and our circle as we would our best friends. This is where likes, dislikes, comforts are on full display. It's easy to invite someone over when they share your affinities and your preferences. It's easy to invite someone over like that. It's easy to invite someone over that looks like you, smells like you, uh, likes the same music as you. Um, It's difficult to invite someone over that doesn't look like you, that doesn't eat the same food as you, that, that, that doesn't listen to the same music as you, as dress as you. But that's not what we're called to do, is it? We're called to love the stranger. They're strange, not because they're strange, but probably because we're strange. Therefore, we as God's people, redeemed to be reconciled, must be about reaching out. We must be about opening up our home, opening up our lives so that strangers become friends. Friends become family. A forever family. And I'm just saying this. This means... I skipped ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, Being hospitable is more about how one feels in your presence than what you actually do, okay? How they feel. So if we're going to treat the, fam- the stranger as friend, we want to make them feel welcomed into our home. Insert the line I was going to say. This means when you have someone coming over, buy the good chips. Not the, ch- not the 99 cent chips that break in your hand when you're trying to scoop the salsa. Buy the hot dogs that are at least 50% beef, right? Because we want them to feel Welcome. We don't want to only buy organic for our family, some of you. And then when the stranger comes, we're buying Publix Best. We might even got it from Kroger or, yeah. We want to make them, we want to make them welcome. And here's the big idea of this section. I don't want to belabor it too much. Here's the big idea. When our tables are diverse, so our church will be. You want to change our church? You want to grow our church? Change your table. Grow your table. Buy a bigger table. We've got people who make tables. Get them to build you a bigger table. Knock down walls in your dining room so you can bring more people in. Why? Because it's more important than your stuff. It's more important. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. A forever family scatters. So reading this this week, every day, daily, day by day, these people were going to temple, so gathering, and then they were scattering into homes, right? Because they would go to temple on Saturday, uh, and then they would come to church service or in the homes on Sunday, and then throughout the week, day by day, they were doing life together. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, maybe we're not that weird. Maybe we're not that weird because looking at it from a current cultural perspective, I think we 
look weird. I, I think we're looked at as weird as much time as we spend together, but I don't feel like people get it. I don't feel like people get we are a family. We're a family. A family that, listen guys, and I've watched you for eight years, that loves each other. We're a family that loves each other. When you have a family that loves each other, you want to spend time together. You want to spend time together. And so our family scatters during the week into community groups. We scatter into community groups because we want to be together. We want to be together. These groups meet during the week to pray, fellowship, to sing, to eat, and to study God's word. They are so much more than a Sunday school because they do life together. They do life together. So Sunday, we gather together for corporate worship, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts uh, that would uh, call us out of our sin. And then community groups are where discipling, pastoral care, and application of the word take place. You see, we're not meant to be Rambo Christians. What that means is it Rambo movies, Steven Seagal, all these guys, they go, they go kill all the bad guys. There's like 50 bad guys and there's one Rambo, right? We're not called to be that. We are called to live lives uh, together. We were never intended to live the Christian life alone. Instead, God has called us to do life in community. An illustration of that like I like to tell is we are logs in a fire. So bundle up logs in a fire, right? If you take one out, what happens to it? It goes out. It goes out. We want to be together. We, we want to do life together. Why? So we don't go out. So, so our flame does not flicker in and burn out. It's a place to be known and to know one another. You can come here, no offense to the back row, you can come here, sit on the back row, and, and go home and, and never be known or know someone because that's difficult. That's difficult when people come up in your grill and, and want to ask you how you're doing. Uh, I, I don't even like that. Paul asks me that all the time. Hey, how are you doing? Paul, I don't want to talk about that. How are you doing? <laughs> I, I, you can sit on the back row, avoid everybody because we're, we like to talk to you, and, and go home and never, and never have to do anything about it. Uh, but community groups where we are living life together this is where the majority of the growth comes because you are knowing one another and being known by one another. In fact, community groups is where we walk out the one another's. The scripture calls us to love one another. How are you going to do that when you sit in the back row and leave without talking to anybody? Pray for one another. How are you going to do that by sitting in the back row and leaving before talking to anybody? Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Comfort one another. Those are done in the context of community. We as Christians, we must be in community if we are in the family. If you are here this morning and you're not part of a community group and you've been coming for a little while and are interested, Charles Bird right there is about to raise his hand. Uh, We have a a community group board out there that has all the information on it that you will ever need. If you would like to join a community group, being part of our forever family and joining in with the lifeblood of our family, the workings out of the one another's, 
see Charles, grab one of those cards, and begin to participate. It will literally change your life. Community groups are also where mission and discipleship hit the road. Um, I have a beautiful uh, picture that I made of a hub and a spoke. I made this, y'all. I made this. Stop. That's why it's so terrible. <laughs> this, this is the vehicle of our church. At the center, the hub, who we are. Well, who are we? We are what we believe and what we value. What we believe about God influences the rest of our life. Therefore, the way that's dispersed in our church is through community groups. Community groups do the one another's. They are on mission. They, they, they are doing the the discipling in our church. Therefore, they transfer to the wheel, and the wheel gets us where we're going, which is mission and vision. How are we going to become a multicultural, multigenerational church? Community groups. Community groups are our church scattering, going out into this world, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who hear it can be drawn in to our church. We, we, we love community groups because that is where we grow in Christian maturity um, and apply it to each other. Here's a quick side note. Our church is just as messed up as your family. We have crazy aunts and weird uncles, okay? Church community group or church in whole, as a whole is not idyllic nor is it utopian, okay? So Listen, when I roll up into community group, I'm probably the weird one, okay? And so I completely change the dynamic uh, because everybody's, you know, well, here he is. Let's quit talking about that uh, or quit talking about him. Uh, but, like, we must not go into community groups thinking that they are going to be perfect and we are going to add to that. We must go in there thinking, how can I show grace to another and how can I receive grace from them? Amen. Essentially, and I've been forming this, and you can tell me if it's wrong. I believe the gospel necessarily creates a thick skin. Yes. The gospel necessarily creates a thick skin because we know people are sinful. How do we know people are sinful? Because we are. I say stupid things, and I need to apologize. Yeah. I make, you know, weird and off-color comments. And I need to repent. Therefore, I must be also able to extend grace when people do it to me. That's right. To me. Last. The scripture says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that the most beautiful sentence? The Lord added. Blessed be the Lord that hasn't closed the door on the lost. Yes. Our God is patient, as we learned in 2 Peter. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Lord added. The Lord added. We are on mission to reconcile the lost, but God grows his church. 
We are called to plant the seed, but God brings the growth. And God's church is the primary vehicle throughout the world in which the lost are being saved. Therefore, as God grows his church and God grows his family, the great commission is moving forward. All nations, all cultures, all people groups hearing the gospel message that Jesus Christ saves and the kingdom advances. So as we close out our time today, I want to leave you with these exhortations that I believe are a call to action that we may be faithful to put the gospel on display and hope that the Lord would grow his forever family. Number one, our forever family must be motivated to bring hope to a dying world. I read this this week, and I, I know this, but in seeing it with my eyes, it was crazy. It said, firefighters are trained to run into a burning building to save people. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Because my mind would say, save yourself. My mind would say, that sounds terrible. My mind would say, what about me? What about my stuff? What about protecting myself? Firefighters are trained to run into a burning building to save people. So we must run into a burning world to rescue the lost. We must take the gospel into a dying and lost world to bring it to the stranger to bring it to he who doesn't look like me, smell like me, act like me, to, to bring it to these circles and situations in my life so that they can hear the good news while the Lord is still being patient. So what's our motivation in this? What's it, why, why, why would we do this? Listen to this real carefully. This comes from the book Community by Brad House. He says, we are to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ in word and action as believers who remember what it's like to be lost. Who remember what it's like to be lost. When you were lost, you didn't know you were lost. When you were saved, you recognized your lostness, your sin, your brokenness, your shame. This is the message that we bring to others I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. For me, it's summed up best in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is, if you can have a life verse, this is a life verse for me because I feel like it, it, it is that impetus to share my life with others. It says this. It says, but he said to me, so this is Paul repeating what Christ said to him. He Christ said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to tell you how the gospel transformed me. So if, if, if I'm wanting to give you the gospel presentation, generally I'm going to tell you how it transformed me. Why? So you will be in awe and amazed at the work that Christ did in my life because he saved a wretch like, like me. Because if we puff out our chest and essentially are telling people, 
Jesus saves, but I mean, I didn't need much saving. What kind of salvation is that? It's a cheap salvation. But when, he, when we tell them the depth of our sin, the depth of our need of a Savior, then how much more beautiful, powerful, and amazing does that grace appear? Number two, our forever family is not at capacity. We must be inviting people in that it may grow. On the cross, Jesus died for his church. He loves his church as his bride, and he's using his church for the protection and edification of his people. And the beautiful thing is the doors are not closed yet. The doors are not closed. This is uh, there, there is ample capacity for more and more people to come in. So at our workplaces, at the grocery store, wherever we're at, we are able to invite people into the family. This is not a clan. This is not a clique. This is a family. This is God's family in which he desires to grow as he grows his kingdom. And if you're scared, and if this is awkward, and if you're afraid of offending someone... Please invite them to church so Pastor Kirk or I can. Okay? You don't have to do the, the dirty work. We will be more than happy to do the dirty work for you. I'm just kidding. Um, do, do the dirty work. Um, you, as members of Gospel Community Church, are empowered to go into the world and share your faith. Be on mission at work and in your community, but ultimately, we are not Rambo Christians. See how the first church did all of these things together. We are a body. We are a family. We gather together, we scatter, and we allow and wait for God to grow his church. Last thing, and I'm out of your hair. As a forever family... I'm sorry, our forever family speaks a common language, the gospel of Jesus Christ and his salvation of sinners. Our, our mission statement starts just like this. Know the Bible. Know the Bible. Well, I mean, I, I thumb through it and read it. No, 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 know the Bible. The Bible contains 66 books that, that God has inspired for us to know about him. It's a meta narrative, a story that starts from Genesis going all the way to Revelation that reveals God chasing his people as they run away from him, just like I did and just like you did. How much better when we share our faith that we can back it up with the Bible? I'm, I'm a big fan of scripture memorization. I, I believe that we should memorize scripture. If you want a place to start, memorize a scripture that you can use in conversation with the lost. Use a scripture that is a multi-tool. I, I would pick Ephesians 2. You can pick whatever you want to. Ephesians 2 is a multi-tool for our faith. It's a multi-tool for how sinful I am and how amazing God's grace is. Know the Bible. Know the gospel. Know how... God created the world beautifully and perfectly. How man fell, how he sent his son as a redemption for fallen man, and how Jesus is coming again. Know the gospel and how it applies to your life. 
use, using gospel ears as we listen to conversations at the grocery store, at the pizza place, in our homes, in our works, using gospel ears and gospel eyes to view these situations. This is how we are able to speak into the lives of the lost. Gospel Community Church, this is, this is who we are. This is what we believe, and this is where we are going. At Gospel Community Church, we want to know the Bible, to share life with others, and bring what? Hope, Hope to Fayetteville and the surrounding counties and the world while we seek to be a multicultural and multi-generational church that puts the gospel on display. Our hope is that you would join with us in this vision. Our hope is that we would rally around the purposes and the will of God our Father and our King as he reshapes this church, this city, the surrounding counties, and the world to reflect his glory in anticipation of his return. Heaven. Heaven will be all nations, all tongues, all people groups represented singing one song to the Lord for eternity. May we as God's forever family be singing that song in our hearts now and in our lives as we wait in anticipation for his return. Let's pray. Father God, everything we have talked about for these past four weeks is just words unless you light your Holy Spirit upon us. Just as you did to those disciples in the book of Acts, may you light upon us with words of truth that we would share with everyone around us. Lord, give us courage to go to the stranger and treat them as a friend. Would you give us a hope to share with them, a hope that comes from what you did in our lives, how you rescued us from the pit and drawn us into marvelous light of your grace. Lord, lead us now into a time of reflection that we may listen to your spirit guiding us revealing to us areas where we are not applying your gospel in our hearts and in our lives. May we repent and turn towards you, our King and our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.